the early days of um, working in a kitchen, uh, there was it was you know so many tears. It was so it was so difficult and so emotionally taxing. But there was a bigger picture, and that was you know that was to to do this for myself. We love at Dirty Linen to shine a light on new talent coming through in the hospitality industry and that's what today is all about. Our guest is Chef Edie Swanson. Edie is a recently qualified apprentice. She is working at Bar Liberty in Melbourne and I'm thrilled to have her on the show. Edie, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Ah, it's so great to have you on the show. So I, I um, became aware of you when um, your boss, Zachary First at Bar Liberty, posted about your qualification and he said it was a proud kitchen dad moment. Uh, pass on his congratulations to you on completing your apprenticeship. He said you're an absolute powerhouse and a crucial element to the Bar Liberty kitchen. So good on you. And yeah, I also extend my congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. It, it's, it's definitely such a such a such a big thing, you know. It's been a long time in the works, and you know, longer because of COVID as well. So um, I'm I'm so happy to be where I am now. It it's a it's a big thing. Thank you. <laughs> oh well, well done. Tell us about your path. Um, yeah, what took you into this work? Um, I actually. It's a, it's a, probably a fairly different path to um, a lot of other apprentices. Um, I'm actually quite a bit older than everyone I went to TAFE with. Um, I had no interest in being chef. Um, in in high school, I, I, I never would have um, – I never considered it. Um, my mum was a chef and um, I never saw that for myself. Um and she she also didn't she didn't encourage it at all. She she sort of advised that I'd seek out different work that would allow me to have a bit more balance. Um, and so I um, I went to uni for nearly I think nearly five years. Um, in the meantime, I worked in hospitality, and I just had this growing love for it. Um, I was working front of house and back of house and um, and I couldn't really make sense of why, um, you know, what, what was going on and why, why I had this passion for hospitality and not for my studies. And um, it uh, came, came to a point where um, I um, oh, it must have been a 23 or something like that and I sort of said really I can't see myself um working behind a desk doing paperwork reading I need to use my hands and you know if that means making my life a little bit more difficult than it could be if I just pursued what I'd been doing um then then I'm up for it you know I can't a challenge is fine I just you know I need that satisfaction of creating and using my hands so I eventually did pursue um cooking and staying in hospitality wow well um Edie I can really relate to that because I also studied law and felt that I was like who am I this is really not me and I just couldn't go on with it so yeah I really I really can relate I mean was that a big thing in your family you said your mom hadn't really encouraged you to work in restaurants my my parents um, 
I, I'm so I'm so lucky to have had parents that uh, they were never going to put too much pressure on on me pursuing you know something overly academic. Um, it was it was a bit shock horror to them that they'd even had a daughter that went to university um they had both uh worked in they were both uh, my dad was a builder and mum was a chef so um the the idea that I'd finished year 12 and and went to uni was it was just pretty profound to them and um mum has my you know I, I finished with a bachelor of criminology and mum has that um, framed in her office, and and so that's that means so much to her, and it means really nothing to me. But um, I'm so happy that 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 she can have that there and be proud of that. I love that. That's so beautiful. So so you were working in restaurants already while you were studying, but how did it come about that you commenced an apprenticeship? Um, so I was in. It was a. A particular cafe that was sort of sort of became my life really. Um, I cut down my uni hours. I did um, just part time at uni so that I could work full time at this cafe. Um, I had a really wonderful relationship with my boss, um, and I worked with some really incredible um, guns in the hospitality realms. Um, in um, baristas, um, in particular, and so that was when I got into sort of making coffee, that was one way that I was using my hands and fine tuning these skills. Um, and, um, and then I, I, I couldn't, uh, eat coffee. I, I don't like it that much. I love coffee, but not, not that much. <laughs> so, um, so I, I wanted more and I was, you know, um, I spent most of, most of my days at that point next to, um, next to a colleague on the coffee machine who was, really ambitious, um, a super ambitious and driven, um, chick. And, um, she, um, she was starting up Le Cordon Bleu and she was just, um, had her mindset on doing the best she possibly could. And she said, you, you need to do the same. You, you've, that's, that's what you're here for. And, you know, um, she really inspired me quite a bit to just wrap up the uni and, and start something else. Wow, what you just—it's. I love these turning points in life. Just really, yeah. You just—you just never know, like how important you can be in someone else's path. I love it. So, did you sign up at Cordon Bleu? No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I, um, I started by finding a restaurant that would take me on, um, and um, when I found, um, I, I started at Misnon. So, um. I first found that and then we went into the formalities of things, um, found found the apprenticeship company and um, um, and started schooling and I just I just did my my um, my trade school based on what was closest to me and convenient and yes. And so where did that end up being? William Anglis. Fantastic. And um, Yeah. Yeah, so interesting that you're at Mizanon. We did you overlap with Rupal um, at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So anyone who hasn't listened to um, our Dirty Linen chat with Rupal um, Batikaf, who is now at Nomad but also trained at Mizanon, please catch up with that. It's a really – it's another great story of, um, yeah, a female chef who had a really – interesting and circuitous pathway into food she had a whole like career and yeah traveled with her work before she yeah 
committed to being a chef. It's um, she's such a yeah, such a great person. So yeah, really interesting, Miznan. It just really comes through. Hey, Edie. Oh, it does. It does. Um, it's 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 a. I couldn't speak more highly of Miznan. It's such a wonderful place. Um, it's it's a bit crazy, but you know where isn't. <laughs> tell, for people who don't know Miznon, explain the restaurant and, and tell us about your experience there. Um, so it's a. It was founded by an Israeli, an Israeli guy. Um, I, I can't. Al Shani. Al Shani. Al Shani. That's it. That's the one. Um, and and it's not not Israeli food per se. It's, he takes more of a Mediterranean approach, but he's got the he's got the Israeli heart. At, you know, it's it's at the core of everything. Um, you know everything tahini and chili, and it's um, it's simple. It's it takes the approach of just really simple food and appreciating the entire vegetable. Um, you know the signature is a whole roasted cauliflower, um, and it's thrown into a, a um, stone fired oven at you know three hundred degrees and blackened and charred and just these flavors that you you can't really create any other way it's it's amazing um so yeah my experience at Miznon was um piling away hundreds of cauliflowers every day and <laughs> um giant giant um uh blend what's that blanching pot thing called I can't remember <laughs> um um just uh you the brad pan the brad pan was my my little station for for so so long um and Miznon really was such a lovely kitchen um it was I think it was a great place in giving giving people opportunities um and I think yeah so me and RuPaul and I were, were quite quite similar in um in, in some ways and in, in that we, we really had such a passion and um and Ms. Non was was just the, the best sort of um stepping stone to um to getting into the food industry. It was um, into working in restaurants. It um yeah. Uh, I love to hear that. And I mean, your um, your formal education at William Anglis, like, can you talk about that? You know, how much did it help you with the practical side of things? Did it feel relevant? I mean, you know, how do you think that sort of ties into the realities of working in hospitality? Oh, that's a funny one because I could really just um, I could really just trash it. I could just sort of say. Um, and I do on a daily, you know, on that on that one weekday that um, I would be going into school. Um, it's just we'd get in here and we'd just go, "Oh, this is just this is just useless. This is just hopeless. Let's go have a sake on our work break on our you know lunch break." Um, um, but in the grand scheme of things, um, there there are there will be um, it's it would. William Anglis, uh, they taught based on a fairly traditional French um, um, framework and um, and my current job now, Bar Liberty, also does to, qu- to quite an extent. And um, to, so there, there has been quite a bit of, um, of usefulness to my, to my school education as much as I wanted to be that kid that just, um, yeah, just – whined and didn't want to go to school that's so interesting so do you think almost 
that they could have made it seem more relevant just by framing it differently, that it's not necessarily an issue with the curriculum but more how it's presented to students? Yeah, um, I think, well, I think a lot of it is to do with us. I think we work, we work full time. We work such demanding hours and then we have this one day where we go into class and we learn how to you know, wash our hands to begin with and then, you know, go on to such things like dietaries. But half of the class is asleep. It's it's really, you know, it's it's really difficult to shift from our work environment to a school setting like that. Um, so I think that is predominantly the one one thing that, um, that does make it difficult. Um, and that is one thing that I had discussed with classmates that potentially a different approach and a learning style that catered to more what we were working with um, would potentially be more suitable. Um, but, yeah. It's a tricky one, isn't it? So it's almost like they needed to have a have the rhythm of a restaurant to keep people who are working within the rhythm of a restaurant to keep those people engaged. Yeah, yeah, definitely, to, to some degree. Um, yeah, I mean... It was, I think we, it was just something that we had to do. And I'm not sure, you know, I can't comment on them needing to make changes because also they, they are accommodating to such a wide variety of students and a, a lot of them aren't apprentices as well. So, um, so they've got, they've got to fit, you know, a fit a lot of students, different, different needs and, um, um, I think you know they're, they're potentially doing the best, the best they can and working on it. But um, yeah, to to get us enthusiastic about school, poor I don't know what what could have, what could be done. <laughs> so tell us what happened. Uh, where did you move to from Mizanon eighty? So from there, um, I. I stuck out the lockdowns at Mizanon. We adapted and had these, you know, did our. Uh, um, we're on the takeaway front, and um, after that, uh, it was it was that it was a huge burnout for everyone. It was so taxing, and um, and I I decided I needed a fresh start. So um, Zach Zach at Bar Liberty was looking for a new apprentice, and and I thought, right, let's let's just let's just throw myself into that and see how that goes. Mm. And how did it go? It's been really brilliant. It's been it's been difficult. Um, you know, there's it's I've I've it's been the fastest pace of having to learn and develop my skills. Um, and as a result, of course, the first couple of months were really really difficult. Um, but now, um, I I have these skills that I wouldn't really you know, I couldn't imagine to have had um, just just qualifying only recently. So it's it has been really brilliant and rewarding and, and satisfying. Oh, that's really good to hear. So for people who don't know Bar Liberty, do you want to just explain what kind of place it is? Yeah, sure. So it's a, it's a wine bar first and foremost. Um, and we have a, a relatively small sort of ca- – casual modern Australian fine dining um, menu that we try and sort of pair to the wine and uh, yeah no so I'd explained it's just a modern modern Australian sort of fine dining um, um, and 
you know, food food to be drunk with beautiful wine and and it's a real experience in terms of um, Zach's super creative in um, his fermenting and vinegars and you um, it's really opened up a different world in terms of um, what what can be done to food through fermentation and time and what that looks like on on a beautiful plate. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good, quite a it's a great spot for for an experience. Yeah, well, I certainly do love it as a diner and a drinker, and really appreciate the wine knowledge. Like, certainly been introduced to really beautiful new wines there, and love the sort of sm- small plate approach to the food. Like, really nice to share. Lots of really, I guess, big but well balanced flavors. Um, yeah, really, definitely a favorite spot in in the inner north in Melbourne. So, um, so Edie, I mean, you mentioned that it was a real learning curve for you in terms of the food. Like, can you sort of talk through some of the, whether it's skills or techniques that you were able to develop just because of what Zach's doing in the kitchen there? Yeah, I mean, um, the, I, it was a matter of, I, I just began, uh, you know, my, my knife skills had been initiated at Miznon and they were really thrown into the deep end at, um, at Bar Liberty. My first couple of dishes we had, um, we had this beautiful soft cheese dish that we, um, we put on an almond puree and, um, we had julienne sauteed leeks on the top. So just, um, julienning, julienning leeks to, to Zach's um, expectations um, every day for however many hours was, um, you know, that was that was really new to me. That was, um, yeah. So so that sort of thing. Um, there were a lot of new methods coming. Um, a lot of new methods to me. We we work on a beautiful sort of barbecue. Um, it doubles as a smoker, and um, so there's there are a lot of new techniques for me to wrap my head around. Um, and I think just Ms. Non, Ms. Non, we have, um, it's a large team that, um, that works all together to, um, to chip away at our prep list and Bar Liberty, you, are you're one person on the section and you've got a list the same size as the Ms. Non prep list. It's, it was really really a challenge in terms of time management and what you had you know prioritizing and um it yeah took it took I think it was more more so the organizational and time management that um that was more of a challenge and having to had to um develop quite quickly and what's the teaching style there? Was it mostly sort of working with Zach or with other chefs in the in the kitchen? And how how did you, yeah, learn how to do all do those tasks and the time management? Um, it it is it is often yes predominantly Zach. We have uh, it's a really small team, so there's Zach. Um, there's a brilliant sous chef Ryan and um, a junior sous chef Sam, um, and then there's a couple of apprentices. Um, so yeah, just me. Well, sorry, not me anymore. Um, just a few others, and or one other or two. But um, so Zach 
Zach, Ryan and Sam, they, they are super knowledgeable and passionate and um, they all have sort of different different methods, um, techniques, um, and from that uh, you, you pave your own way, I guess. Um, um, yeah, so Zach, um, one thing that Zach would do quite a bit when, uh, when I was first beginning is um, we have on Sundays a uh, um, each hour we have a set menu lunch that changes every week. Um, so he would give um, myself and the other apprentice um, a dish um, that that we had to sort of um, plan the execution and um, and decide, you know, what what would we be cooking? And that was one way to um, that really just sort of. Oh, it was brilliant. It, you know, sparked our creativity and um, we we realised, I guess, um, even as apprentices that we, we've we got things going on in our brain. I don't know. We've got something to give the kitchen. Um, so, and, um, and then, you know, it puts you in a position where you want to be, I would go home on my day off and just sort of be pulling together these ideas and um, um, practicing things at home. And it was so exciting. It was such a such a brilliant way to teach. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, it just really would spark that creativity. Can you remember any of the dishes that you did on those Sundays? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first one I did was like a, a what was it, a, a besson flour type um, pancake thing. Um, I, I was not, not crazy about it. Um, it was, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a flop, but, um, it's not something you can just whip up one Sunday morning. That's one thing that might need a little bit more, um, you know, time to play around with, but that's, that's the thing about Sundays. You just, you, 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 if you're, if you're lucky, you have a bit of time on Saturday, but you most likely are only just going to have a few hours um, to try and pull something together. So, I mean, it's it's lucky to have you know you're lucky to have Zach and Ryan there to to guide you along and uh, bail you out <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Love it, so good. I mean, it sounds like a, a supportive, like busy and and I guess pressured, but also a very supportive environment in that kitchen. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. It sure is, definitely. Um, so Edie, what, what now and what now that you're qualified? Uh, now that I'm qualified, I'm about to fly off to Mexico and eat lots of tacos. So awesome. (laughs) That'd be great. That's pretty much all I can see at the moment. Um, I actually have decided that when I, when I get back, I, I might try and, um, I'm going to stay at Bar Liberty for a little bit, but I'm going to try and get a little bit more rest into my everyday routine by um by just reducing one day in the kitchen and actually starting to do some disability support work um yeah and I I feel um I feel sort of I guess compelled to do that because it's um I I need a bit more socialization on I don't know there's uh, I guess I my heart is so in the kitchen but um, it's in so many other things as well. So, you know, I want to learn l- learn a new skill and just give myself a little bit more evenings at home with the dog and things like that. 
Wow, that's so interesting. Is there a particular reason why disability support work um, is drawing you? Um, well, there's a demand for it now. Um, I have a lot of a lot of friends doing doing the work and telling me these beautiful, rewarding stories. And um, I've I've done a little bit of volunteer work in and working um, working with ch- like disadvantaged children and. Um, and it's some of some of the best work um, I've done. I've I've learnt so much. It's been so rewarding, and um, I think that's just something that I need to to pursue. Yeah, so interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, really interesting that you went into um, professional uh, kitchen work because you wanted to do something that was sort of meaningful and creative, but there's this other other type of work that's also drawing you. I mean, it sort of makes me wonder, is there a, you know, is this current era or this wave of um, hospitality work is, you know, is perspective and balance and, you know, seeing other career opportunities, do you think that's more part of it these days? Yeah, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's really important. I think it's... Um, one of the most difficult things as a young person was trying to think of what you would want to be doing forever. And then, um, you know, you come to learn that people have so many different careers and so many, um, they go so many different ways and there is not just going to uni and qualifying and, um, and working the one job the rest of your life. Um, I think my job will always have to revolve around food in some way. I, um, that's, you know, that's another part of disability support work. If I get to, if I get to cook someone dinner, if I get to do that, I'm going to be really happy. Um, so I think food is really in the forefront of, of what I want to do forever. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot more that I do want to explore. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause I mean, I can imagine, um, let's say, restaurateurs or senior chefs listening to this thinking, you know, you sound amazing, you're qualified, you're obviously so passionate, you know, this well-respected chef, Zach First, thinks that you're amazing and yet you're going to step away from restaurants at least to some degree. I mean, do you think, is there something about the world of hospitality? Like, can you see if there were certain changes made that you would devote yourself more to restaurants or do you think this is just who you are and you just need to explore? Um, there's, that's a definitely a bit of both in that. Um, I, it's who I am and I need to explore. I need to, I need to learn. Um, I need to work with people. Um, but there, there, there are elements to, to being a chef that I, I, I do find um, super taxing and, you know, that it may not be sustainable. Um, and um, and so there are, yeah, looking into some other, other field of work is just a way to bring balance. And if it's only, you know, I, I, might, I might not need that next year. Um, I have been an apprentice for the past couple of years and the demands of that might be, you know, I might, having now qualified I might be able to sort of feel like balance comes a little bit more easily um and that chefing you know um I am just just going to give it a go and I know that um I know that it means that I'm not 
I'm not going to be the next one that's asked to be junior sous chef. I'm not going to be there every every day. Um, so I know that and I've considered that and, well, I think what's going to happen is if that really is important to me, then I'll probably be stepping uh, um, away from other work and back into the kitchen a bit more. I'll just sort of wait and see because I do, I do have this ambition and drive, of course, um, but... Uh, you know, I've had a lot of health health complications, and um, and uh, I'm I'm type one diabetic. There's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, it's a, there's a bit more to balance in um, in my world, and it's a bit hard. It can be really difficult um, when you're in the kitchen so much. Yeah, sure. That's so understandable, and I mean, so many people do have to balance, you know, health challenges of various sorts. And I mean, in a way, perhaps at, at this early stage of your career to be, to know that you need to prioritise health and, and well-being it actually might set you up for a greater longevity in the kitchen. I mean, it might, it might actually work out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I really do hope so. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it's not, um, it's it's just it would just mean a little a little bit more rest and um and a bit more time you know a bit a bit more time for other things and um and we'll see how it goes because um I you know I, I do love the kitchen I'm so invested in it but yeah amazing what a great great story and I just love your perspective um on yeah kitchen work but also life Edie it's really yeah really fantastic and inspiring um we, we know that so many apprentices don't end up qualifying you know for one reason or another they they fall away from uh, their studies and perhaps their work as well what would you say to an apprentice who is you know questioning things is is unsure whether it's a path for them well, your heart has to be in it. I think that was the only thing that got me, got me to the end. Um, I, I, at the at the point when I had decided I really will pursue um, becoming an apprentice, I, I had just, uh, I I knew I had to do it um, properly and well and to the to the standard that I could, you know, that would satisfy me and. Um, and that sort of meant I. I mean, I went to I went to interviews where there was one one um, one chef asked me, "Well, do you have do you have a boyfriend?" And I said no. And he said, "Oh, good, good, good. You, you don't have time for that." And um, wow. So and at, yeah, at that point, at that point, I went, "Yeah, cool. No worries. I, I I'm here to be a chef. So that's all good." And. Um, but that's the, and that's no way to live your life um, forever. So um, it's uh, that was it. I was I was determined, and I you know I'd been been at this place. Uh, I'd been in been at uni, and I'd done other things that people were just I'd seen seen their work ethic, seen the way they see the way they gunned at their degree and just had so much motivation and I couldn't relate to that um I I found my heart in in food and if it's not there then you just it's well I don't you know I don't want to say give up but I want to say you just you know your happiness now even as an apprentice is is 
paramount, um, you know, in, in the long run, I guess, anyway, because I guess the early days of um, working in a kitchen, uh, there was, it was, you know, so many tears. It was so, it was so difficult and so emotionally taxing, but there was a bigger picture and that was, you know, that was to, to do this for myself and, yep, yeah, so... Yeah, so if you've just got the the tears and the anguish but not the sort of bright horizon then yeah, perhaps it is worth taking a bit of taking stock of whether you're on the right path. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, amazing. Um well Edie, yeah, so wonderful to connect with you and congratulations once again on everything that you've achieved and also yeah, sounds like so many more exciting stops along your journey in the future um eat all the tacos in mexico i'm so excited for you how wonderful um but yeah thanks so much for taking the time to have a chat with us today no pleasure it was great thank you so much this is dirty linen and i'm danny valent we air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.